Fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all, and for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than Alzheimer's disease. I'm Dana Torito, a writer and Alzheimer's advocate. On my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, I strive to calm your fears about the disease through thoughtful conversations with experts, care partners, and more. Action is the antidote for fear. Listen to The Memory Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Information Network and six-time Emmy-nominated news anchor Vanessa Tyler welcome you to Blackland. A podcast about the ground on which the black community stands right now. From stories about salvation and loss. I loved a person who had an HIV diagnosis. To dreams achieved. Or yet unfulfilled. From people who have made it. I sat down with a therapist and I began my journey. To those left behind. Listen to Blackland on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now, this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, friends. We are wrapping up 2022. What a year. What a few couple of years we have had. Does that make sense? Few couple of years. What a couple of years we have had. Truly, it has been an evolution of all of our minds, spirits, souls. We have gone through so much as a collective and as individuals and I wanted to revisit this podcast I did with Sean Johnson. She is an Olympic gold medalist, and she talked about the importance of visualizing her win, her success, her routine. And I think that that imagery and that sentiment of visualization is so important, and I want to encourage you guys to really take some time to visualize how do you want 2023 to be for you? How do you want things to play out? How do you want to bring your energy into 2023? How do you want to respond to things? How do you want to move into situations? Instead of just reacting and being always just defensive and and responding to life, let's intentionally plan out how we want to move through 2023. Of course, we can't plan everything and all sorts of things are going to happen. We know that all too well, but we can be intentional about how we respond and how we move into situations. And so this podcast is so, so awesome about how powerful visualization is. Sean Johnson not only did it, does it in her own life, but she did it to win a gold medal. Yes, she put in the work and did all of the requirements, physical requirements and mental requirements to memorize, but she visualized her success. And that was just as important as doing the actual work. So I want to wrap up this year saying thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this podcast family, for joining these stories, for learning with me as I am learning just as you are about how to navigate life and how to become the best version of ourselves and how to like take challenges and make them into winning situations for ourselves. And I really think this podcast with Sean is such a great way to remember the power we hold in our minds and the power that we have to determine the life we want to live based on the thoughts that we think. So 
Happy holidays. Love you guys so much. And really, really dive into this podcast and think about how you can visualize success for yourself in 2023. Love you guys. episode of Get Real Podcast, I have Sean Johnson, the Olympic gold medalist. She won a gold medalist when she was so young for beam and gymnastics. And we talk about all of it, her journey to the Olympics, what she learned from being an Olympian, the power of the mind, how training your mind is so important. And we talk about then she went on to Dancing with the Stars. She won that. She went back on All Stars with Dancing with the Stars, got second. What it's been like falling in love with her husband. They've been together for almost a decade and how he balances her out. It's just amazing, their partnership. They have a YouTube channel together. They work together and they're just perfect. They're a perfect pair. And Sean is just wise beyond her years. She's gone through so much and lived so much life to only be, I think she's 27, She started her journey to the Olympics when she was 12. So she grew up really fast and she's learned so many incredible life lessons at such a young age, really done a ton of self-discovery. And she's so open and honest about sharing her journey. We both have been pregnant at the same time together too, which has been so much fun. We took a baby bump picture together. So by the time this airs, I will have had my baby. She'll be getting close to having hers. (laughs) But it's been fun to follow her journey as a a beautiful pregnant mama to be and I can't wait to see what they're having they're not finding out but what her journey continues to look like as a mom she also suffered a miscarriage and so did I so we talk about that and just learning from that and what what it does to your mind and working through that she's just such an incredible soul so you guys get excited here is Sean Johnson okay I am here with the incredible Sean Johnson hello what's up girl oh nothing but just baby bumping just pregnant yeah. 31 weeks. 31. You're 38. 38. This is probably, when this airs, hopefully I will have had a child. Yes. Um, that is the goal. And yeah. you will be very close to having delivered or about yes. to go into labor when this airs. Yes. Oh I'm getting gosh. far ahead. It really terrifies me. Are you scared about the labor process? Yeah. I'm more scared about having a kid. Like for the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I keep saying like it's not like a dog. You have them no. for like 12 years. You have them forever. And they like... That might sound really bad to say. No, I hear you though, because it's like, they're going to affect your mental well-being for the rest of your life. We're going to care about everything our child does, stress about everything, worry about them. Like, I'm already thinking about teenage years. I'm like, how do I deal with like when drinking and boys come into play? Mm -hmm. And I don't want... I mean, I'm like... And then I think about college and I'm like, almost don't want her to go to college because I'm like, college can be crazy. Uh Uh-huh. You know, I'd rather just become a musician and live on the road and people exactly. think that's crazy, but I'm like, oh God, but she's going to do what she wants. <laughs> oh my, yeah. Do you it's, stress about any of that? Oh, absolutely. All of it. I'm, I just stress about like, how do you teach your kid to be a good person? I don't know. I don't know either. Is it just, you have to show by example? But then are we good enough people? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. I don't, just like, I'm scarred by the whole concept. And isn't it crazy? Because we were kind of talking before, like you try so long not to get pregnant. And then we were, because we've both been on a 
uh, pregnancy journey. Yeah. And I love that you've documented yours. Thank you. Uh, it's actually very hard to get pregnant and yeah. stay pregnant. Yeah. It's like a miracle. Because we both actually went through miscarriages. Yep. What? How far along were you? I was really early. I was like eight to ten weeks. Same here. We were like seven. Yeah. Weeks. Seven, eight weeks. Yep. But still, it's yeah. one of the most um, emotional experiences I've personally ever been through. Same. Because you, I mean, you find out you're pregnant, which is like, especially when you find out you're pregnant the first time. Yes. I've never cried so much in my life. <laughs> ever. Of happiness or just scared? Uh, All everything. Of <laughs> All of it. Happy, scared, terrified. Um, and then you kind of wrap your mind around it. Okay, I'm going to be a parent. This is it. And then you lose it. And it's just, yeah, it's an emotional roller coaster. Mm-hmm. You, don't know, you don't know how to deal with it. What did you, what was going through your head when you were miscarrying? Um... Did you take it personal? Or was oh, yeah. It, oh, what did you think? Because I, I, I felt guilty. I was like, what did I do wrong? What did I eat? Like, I, if I can't even take care of a baby in, inside of me, how can I take care of a child outside of me? It was just like a rush of guilt. I felt bad for Andrew because I was like, I lost your baby. It's just like. I know. What did you feel like? And then I felt like if I, I, my biggest struggle in life is that I'm not good enough. Yep. And so I was like. See, this makes me cry. I think I think I work through all my stuff and then I mm-hmm. talk about it and I get all emotional. But also, <laughs> yeah. we're pregnant, so it doesn't yeah. matter. Uh, it's like, I don't deserve to have uh-huh. a baby. I, uh-huh. like, I'm not good enough to mm-hmm. be a mom. <laughs> I thought about all the, like, mistakes I've made in life. Yeah. I'm like, is this somehow, I don't know, I know. See, the world showing me that I don't deserve the baby? And, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's crazy what it yeah. does to your brain. Mm-hmm. I know. And then... I felt like the universe was telling me, like, just kidding, you're not supposed to be a mom. Yeah. And it was just like, oh. And then it's like, will I ever be able to hold a baby? Like, mm-hmm. carry one? And then you think about all the people who never can get pregnant. Yep. And it's just like, the whole process, <laughs> it is yeah. insane. And then you try to you start trying to get pregnant again. And yeah. then it's a whole different rush of emotion of like, do I want to go through this again? Yeah. <laughs> Am I going to be able to? And then it becomes, instead of just like this happy process, it becomes such a like stressor on your marriage and your life and oh my gosh it's just it getting pregnant is hard it's hard I know I felt bad about that because like we tried for like 10 months and I put so much mm-hmm. pressure on it and like when I'm ovulating and make sure you like have <laughs> yeah. sex on this day and then it's like that's not fun or romantic uh, you know yeah telling your husband like we have to do it now yeah now and then he's like oh my god and he gets his stress <laughs> yeah. because it's like you gotta make this happen and we're uh-huh. gonna make a baby uh-huh I know oh, it's a lot it's a lot um and then you get through it, though. Have you had anxiety during your pregnancy? Like, that you would lose it? Or were you able oh, to, like, enjoy it? A little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I feel like every day it's just... I don't know. I feel like it took me a long time, this pregnancy, to, like, admit that I was pregnant. Or, yeah. like, bond at all. Because I was just kind of like, oh, it's probably not going to last. I get that. And I feel like that lasted a long time. I think, like, the first ultrasound. Maybe not, like, the 10-week ultrasound. But, like, the... 20-week? Mm-hmm. That one, I, I like bawled like a baby. I was like, I cannot imagine not having this, like having this baby. Yeah, I'm gonna, we're gonna be like crying <laughs> masses on this. I'm gonna start crying. Um, I know, but no, it makes it. Yeah, it makes it really hard. Yeah, you're just like in denial the whole time. I know. We didn't even announce that we were pregnant until twenty, like nineteen, twenty weeks. Because yeah. I was so scared we were gonna lose it. Yeah. But then you get all the way to where we are, and it's like the babies can live on their own. And now I'm like, my back hurts. I got heartburn. I woke up last night and threw up. That heartburn oh, so no. bad. Oh and no. It's like now you're on the other side of it, where yeah. it's like you feel all the uh-huh. all the things that go with it. But you're also so grateful to yeah. get to experience them. Oh yeah. 
I mean, I just started getting like the really bad hip pain oh, at night. Yes. Where my hips are widening or something. I don't know what's going on. And I can't sleep. And then my back hurts. And then I feel like Bay's going to fall out of my <laughs> vagina. I mean, I mean <laughs> seriously. Like, I'll stand up and be like, it's coming it's out. It's coming out. Do y'all know what it is? We don't. Oh my God, y'all are crazy. Y'all, it wasn't my that. choice. Andrew, oh, you want to find out? No, I had the 10 week blood test done. So you could know. I could know. Mallory has my results. She so she knows. <laughs> she says she hasn't opened it. Yeah, right. And your best friend's Mallory Irvin, yeah. who is the most amazing energizer bunny <laughs> yeah. on this planet. Yeah, I don't know how she has so much energy. Oh God, she has more energy than anyone in the world. Yeah, but you have a ton of energy too. Not like her. She. That's just the way she is yeah. wired. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I was her judge of the Miss America pageant. Oh my God, that's how y'all met. That's how we met. And I literally saw her skip across the stage. Not like pageant walk, but like high knee skip. And I was like, she seems fun. <laughs> oh, she is. We did Amazing Race together. And that's oh my where gosh, we yeah. originally met. And I've just never met anyone like her in my life. I was just, it her and her dad on your no, season? No, it was her third time. And oh, she was partnered yeah, with, the, I forgot who was partnered. She had a terrible experience yeah. on the season I was on. <laughs> yeah. She'd had like the uh, best experience with her dad uh-huh. two seasons. And then she got paired with, it was a random pairing with another contestant. Uh-huh. And it was not good for her. She did not like it. Yeah. How did you like it? I loved it. Because I was with my friend Jen Wayne. Okay. And we um, just, we had been in a band together mm-hmm. and so we had been like best friends for 10 years we really knew how to work together and we had so much fun that's awesome like i've always wanted time. to do that show i think you and andrew so should do it we would kill each other you think yeah we have very <laughs> different travel styles andrew just he's flighty i don't know well that's the thing like a lot of people get very intense with each other on the show oh yeah yeah, I don't know if everything comes out. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd be better off doing it with like a girlfriend or something than my husband. <laughs> I feel like we already almost kill each other when we travel. You do? Why? What's your travel styles? Oh, he's he forgets he has a flight booked. Oh, so he's just like, he's like, he's like happy-go-lucky, not worried. Oh, yeah. No, he's like, the flight's in 10 minutes. I'll be fine. And he'll still be at home. Oh, how's he plan on getting there? Just he'll Uber. So he yeah. doesn't worry about it. Does he miss no. a lot of flights? Oh, yeah. He misses flights? <laughs> yeah. No, he doesn't. All the time. Are you serious? It drives me insane. Well, yeah. Or I'll call him and be like, are you at the airport yet? And he's like, no. I'm like, you have a flight in 30 minutes. He's Does like, he I'm know fine. that you're supposed to be there an hour ahead of time? He doesn't care. He doesn't. He thinks that's a suggestion. What about if he's checking a bag? He never checks a bag. So he just carries on. So he just yeah. has to roll in and roll yeah. on the plane. He does mm-hmm. not want to spend any extra time there. No. So he's willing to miss the flight yeah. on occasion. He'll be like at football practice up until like the 30 minute boarding time. Wow. And he'll still shower and like go to the airport. I'm like, you're out of your mind. Does that transfer into any other parts of his life? That laid back? Oh, everything. So how does that? Because, okay, obviously you are Sean Johnson, the Olympian <laughs> gold medalist. I swear. When when did you win the gold? When What year was that? 2008. Long time ago. No, I, I, gymnastics is my favorite. Okay. Uh, oh my God. Yes. <laughs> And so I remember watching you yeah. and you killing it. And it was on Thank floor, you. right? Um, what did you win the gold? Uh, that's the hardest one. I know. It's, it's scary. I couldn't yeah. do it anymore. Well, I think you deserve a break right now. Yeah. But you can still flip <laughs> yeah. and do all those things. Uh, Unless you're not pregnant. Not really. <laughs> I can do a little bit. I can do a little bit, but not nearly what I could. Okay. So you are obviously a gold medalist. You have a very intense work ethic. Yeah. And you know how to... Uh, 
make it happen. Yeah. So you went ahead and married someone who's just the most laid back person. Uh-huh. Do you think you were attracted to that to balance you out? Probably. Because I, I had dated the opposite ty- type. I had dated like my style and it didn't work. Was that too much? Yeah. We were way too intense. Oh, yeah. By the way, is my mouth like red? I eat cherries. I don't oh. really care. I'm scooting this forward. Can we see? <laughs> is it look? See, I'm trying. Sean's teaching me how to be a professional good. YouTuber with good lighting and how to <laughs> no, make videos. I don't know. That's my husband, not me. I need to learn how to do things. On it looks good. Okay, great. Yeah, I think you look great. Mm, thank you. Yeah. You too. Oh, oh I feel like Do honey just, boo boo all the time. <laughs> I feel massive, massive. Yeah. I mean, my boobs lay on my stomach. Yeah. They just flop on them. Yeah. Oh, if I wear like underwire bras, it like bruises my belly. Those aren't in my wardrobe anymore. I tried once for an event, and then oh, to give yourself a little push. Yeah. Then but you said no. They just sag and. Yeah. They do all their stuff now. Yeah. I actually mm-hmm. have milk coming out of my boobs now. Why? So oh my God. So already? That's yes. amazing. <laughs> That's great. You're going to really be a but nurse. I started, I started like 20 weeks. It was really weird. You're going to be a nursing machine. Should I you guys start so. pumping and putting in the freezer? I don't know. <laughs> I actually had the thought, but I was like, I don't know. I gr- it grosses my husband out. I, but it's a good sign because that means that you can probably nurse. I hope so. That's amazing. Yeah. It started 20 weeks. I was like, I don't know what is going on. You're ready. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's happening for you. Yeah. That's great. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all. And for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than what to do when faced with an Alzheimer's diagnosis. My name is Dana Torito, and my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, takes a closer look at Alzheimer's disease and those affected by it. Like many of you, I've experienced the disease firsthand. I've been an advocate and care partner for decades and have written extensively about the subject. Each week, I'll talk to people who've been personally affected by the disease and learn how they coped with it. Folks like TV personality Lisa Gibbons. Action is the antidote for fear. And nurse and dementia researcher Dr. Fayron Epps. We no longer can be silent. We have to speak up. We have to share our experiences so we can help each other and learn from each other. Listen to The Memory Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hi there. I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT AT&T who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best 
lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Okay, so Andrew's totally opposite of you. So what yeah. is y'all's dynamic together? He's just he's just a kid, and I'm the one that's trying to like keep order. <laughs> but it's fun because I'm very like I'm very by nature just very like strict and rigid. And you are well, you have to be to be yeah. an Olympian gold medalist. Yeah, and Andrew's just like the happy-go-lucky, fun guy, which brings out like allows me to have more fun in life, which is cool. Otherwise, I don't think I'd have any fun. Um, Do you think you'd be just too? Regimented, yeah, and I care too much what people think. Like you, me too. Yeah, that's I'm my a people pleaser. Ugh, people pleasing is my worst. And Andrew's not at all. He could care less. Which How does I don't he not know. care? I don't know. Ugh, he could care less, and he could care less if he's terrible at something, and he could care less if he like fails at something. It's just like something that I envy so much. So he's just like a Labrador. He's yeah. just like happy to be here, not worried about it. No, something doesn't work out, he's gonna move on. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I would great. be traumatized. Traumatized. So he's really rubbed off on you. Yeah, and you tried. probably rubbed off on yeah. him. I tried. <laughs> yeah. But more is it just an appreciation for the other. Yeah. Like, you guys both need each other. We both, like, push each other outside of each other's comfort zones, which is good. And y'all work together. We do. So talk to me about y'all's uh, family business. Um, it's a smorgasbord of random things. <laughs> um, we do YouTube, which sounds weird to say we're YouTubers. I love it. It's um, great. He has his podcast. And what's it called? Redirected. Redirected because he is a football player. Yes. And he just played again. He just played for the uh, Redskins. Redskins. Like, but he's played for like 10 different teams. But wasn't this like a big deal that he just played for the Redskins? And it like, was his first ever season that he's ever played. Okay. So like he's gone through, he signed 10 contracts. Dang. And he's gone all the way up until season. And then they've cut, like released him. And so last year was the first year he made it through season. How was that? Oh, amazing. That's awesome. It was really cool. It was really cool. Because he's never quit. No. Never. That's incredible. But for him, again, he could like care less. He's like, oh, maybe I'll go back. Maybe not. I'm so like, how do you not know? Is he still doing football right now? Um, he's technically still in like the NFL pool of names, but okay. he's not on a team. Okay. So how was it that when he played his first game? I mean, documented that too. Yeah, I like cried in the stands. I was so nervous. He's a long snapper. I don't mm -hmm. know if you know what that is. I'm I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what it was. Okay. You know the guy who kicks the ball? Yeah. You know the guy who like throws him the ball under his legs? Yeah. That's what he does? Okay. Yeah. Great. I didn't know. <laughs> I know more about that position than any other position in the NFL now. Yeah. As you should. And I would like watch him from the stands be like, oh, that was a bad snap. Oh, that was a good snap. <laughs> I'm like, oh, is he okay? <laughs> yeah, I was dumb, but it was awesome. I was a very proud wife. How is that? Okay, because I want to talk about your dreams and achieving your goals, but mm -hmm. how is that to watch the person you love the most achieve a dream? It's pretty cool. Having gone through my athletic career already and like been retired, watching Andrew now go through it, there's so many different like experiences that I can parallel. And I see him like, I don't know, it's really weird to say, but where he was when he started his football career is where I was when I was like 12 in gymnastics, which is just how it works in gymnastics. Because you're young in gymnastics. You're really young. And so I kind of would not coach him, but be able to sit back and be like, oh, I can see how this is going to play out. And this is really funny and cool. And I know what you're going through. And like we would cry together and I'd be like, it's okay. There's like a bigger picture at play. 
I just remember being at like 12 years old. I mean, I was a child, so of course I wouldn't know what's going on. But you can't see the bigger picture. And it was really cool for me as like his wife to be able to see a bigger picture for him and see him succeed in it. And it was just like, it was incredible. I feel like a proud mom, which sounds really weird (laughs) to your husband. But yeah, you're just so proud of him. What is it like starting your career at 12 years old? And how did you even start your career at 12 years old? Um, So gymnastics is different because I started gymnastics when I was three, just like you would put three. Yeah. Well, wow. I mean, since we're going to be moms. Yeah. You know, like we'll put our kids in swim lessons someday. Right. Yeah. Definitely. My parents put me in gymnastics lessons. And you just loved it. And I loved it. And I just kept with it. And I got to be 12 years old and at a certain level where I made it to like a qualifier for the USA national team and I somehow made it on. So what is the USA national team? Um, it's the team that the U.S. selects from for the Olympics. Okay, so how many people are on that team? 24 total. So is it all over the country? Yeah. So it's like the best 24 people, all, girls, Yeah. all over the country. Mm-hmm. And then the Olympics picks from those 24 to make how many go on the Olympic team? Four. For, wow. Okay, so from 24 across the country, mm-hmm. four make it to the Olympics. Yes. So you made it? And made it? Yeah. Obviously, you made it. <laughs> um, what does that feel like? Um, Did you freak out when you made the Olympic team? At Were you 12? I was 16. 16. So 24 of those girls, 12 of them are 15 and under, and 12 of them are 16 and over. Just okay. because you have to be at least 16 to make the Olympic team. So I was one of the 15 and under until I hit 16, and then they could select from the 16 and higher group. Okay. Um, and it was cool. But again, like remember back when you're 16, you don't really know what the world is at no. all. And you can't weigh consequence and you can't understand the magnitude of a situation. And I was just a kid in a candy store competing at a bigger arena. To me, it wasn't like... The Olympics. Do you even know what the Olympics were, really? Yes, but again, I don't think I understood like the magnitude, which is like, maybe it makes a blessing. Me sweat thinking about it, do you think it's kind of a blessing? You didn't? Oh, understand? absolutely. I think that's why gymnasts do so well because they're so young. Is you're just naive. Yeah, you're not thinking about the millions of people watching <laughs> and their expectations and their pre- talk about people pleasing. I would have had a heart attack. <laughs> um, I'm literally sweating thinking about it. <laughs> like, what were they thinking of me? Um, but it's just, it's, you're just naive. You're naive to everything. And I feel like your parents and the coaches try to really protect that so you don't freak out. Yeah. If I made the Olympic team now, I would freak out. Because you know too much. Yeah. You've seen too much. You know yeah. too much. So how much do you have to practice when you're getting, gearing up for the Olympics? Um, so are you okay? Control? Oh, yeah. I'm just, you know, just moving this bowling yeah. ball around. <laughs> yeah. Um... I, we were training about 40 hours a week. Wow. So a lot. Are you getting homeschooled? I actually wasn't homeschooled. I went to public school my whole career. And then you just train after school? Mm Mm-hmm. So you'd go to school all day and then how long would you go to the gym? Um, so there were two different like regimens and routines that I would have to follow. If I was following my coach, this is a lot of information I'm trying to sort out how to tell it. Um, (laughs) So the USA national team, we only meet and train together once a month for a week. The other weeks, you're back home in your home state city with your own coach 
training your own like system. So do you make up your own routine for the Olympics and everything? Yeah. So you have to have a great coach. Yes. Okay. A very good coach. Where do you find your coaches? Um, My coach, I was lucky, was just the closest gym to my parents' house when I was growing up. His name is Chow. Um, He's Chinese. And I trained in Iowa, Des Moines, Iowa. But his system was I would go to school until public school until two or three whenever school let out. And then I would train four hours after. Yeah. Every day. And then I got Sunday off. And then would you have to go like approve what you're... Yes. What you're learning with Chow to the Olympic yes. board or team or yep. the coach of the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So that once a month for a week, you would go down to Houston, Texas and train with the national team. And we would train nine hours a day, seven days a week for a week. And that's when you like show your skills and what you're working on and you get everything like approved. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So how long does this go on? Um, it's like years or months? Yeah, yeah years so do you work on the same routine for years um for the most part yes wow you would you would change like little things here and there over the course of years but your basic foundation is pretty much the same okay so what is your life like when you're training (laughs) you're here you are i guess you start training when you're 12 and then you do this do you train for four years i don't know why i picked four years um how long were you on the team before you competed in the Olympics? Four years. Okay, but so you could be on the team for a year. You could be on the team for a month. You could be on the team for 12 years before you make the team. Okay, so you made it right away, and then the Olympics are coming up in four years. Yes. So you're training for four years. So what is yeah. your life? What are you thinking in those four years? Like, what are you thinking about life? Like, what are you, how are you balancing being mm-hmm. a teenager, being in school, but you also have this really big thing yeah. on the side? Um, <laughs> I was... I don't know. I would say for the first like three years, it was just like this after school activity that nobody knew about. I was just like a gymnast on the side. And then at school, I was a normal high school kid. But for the most part, like my mind was consumed with gymnastics. It was like, how soon can I get my homework done so that I can get to practice and go to bed early? Um, So you loved it. I loved it. Okay. Yeah. The last year I was psycho. Like every single person I hung out with, I was like, how's this going to affect my Olympics? <laughs> um, if I went to Dairy Queen, I'd be like, oh, I can't eat this because I have to go to the Olympics. Or I was psycho. But yeah. I guess that's what you need for the Olympics. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so then you get to the Olympics and what is that like? Because you've been working for this for four years. Like, what, what do you feel? What goes on through your brain? Um, honestly, for me, when I got to the Olympics... I didn't allow myself to like realize I was at the Olympics until I was done. So you kind of train for years on year, like years on end, um, practice after practice, just training your mind to kind of go numb. And so I went through my entire Olympic experience just saying like, oh, it's another practice. It's another routine. It's nothing new. And that was intentional. Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, if you're in the Olympics and you're like, oh, my God, I'm at the Olympics, you probably have a meltdown. So you've really worked on your mind discipline. Yeah. I think it's majority of mind. Okay. So you have, so you're just pretending like you're not there. Yes. Okay. And I get all the way through the Olympics and then it's like, when you're competing, did you feel like you weren't there? 
Yeah, that's great. You kind of have to. You you have to. You. I mean, it, the beam is four inches wide. If you're on on the beam, thinking, "Oh my God, I'm at the Olympics." So, I what mean, are you thinking about? Um, like, ex- <laughs> do, do you really want to know? Yes, it's, it's really weird. Um, my coach, every coach is a little bit different, but my coach, just like he would teach you a skill that your body does, he would teach you like every single word for every second you're like on your apparatus of what to think. Okay. So I had like an exact routine in my head that consumed all 90 seconds of my routine. Cause he always said like, if your mind ever breaks and gets distracted, you would fall off. Okay. So what is that routine in your head? What is it? It would be like, like, like cues for your skill. Okay. So like reminding, reminding yourself to like squeeze your butt or keep your stomach tight or for every different move you had a different cue mm-hmm. so you're you memorize you choreographed the cues as well yes so that's all you're thinking about yes that's actually great it is amazing because then you don't have time to like be on the beam and look over and see bob costas like commentating your routine right yeah genius does every coach do that or do you think i don't yours? think so i think so he knew how important the mind game was oh yeah we trained we trained mental more than physical. So we would spend four hours in a gym training like your physical skill and your conditioning and your flexibility. But then he would send you home with four hours worth of like mental training. How do you mentally train? Like what does that look like? Um, okay, so I always tell someone, like think of, think of a skill of any kind that you do. So whether it's like writing a song or singing a song or performing on stage, and try to picture yourself doing it perfect 10 times in a row. And for some reason, our mind wants us to see us fail and like make mistakes. And it becomes this like muscle of the more you, you work on it, the more you can kind of visualize yourself succeeding and the stronger you can get and the more you can picture yourself. And they, they say that whatever you picture, your body's actually doing. So if you're not thinking, if your mind goes numb, your body should be able to take over and to like autopilot and do what you've been picturing. So do you picture the whole thing? Like would you just picture your whole routine? I would picture, so an assignment from my coach would be go home, eat dinner, go to bed. And then as you're laying in bed, I want you to picture yourself walking into the Olympic arena. He would say, what do you hear? What do you see? How's the layout? What's the floor look like? What's it feel like? What's it sound like? Picture yourself walking up onto the floor and competing your routine. How are you going to salute? What are you going to like say? What are like everything? So you're not no, no surprises. Yeah. So by the time you get there, you've already done it a million times. Did it fall into place how you had pictured it? Yes and no. I mean, you can never really picture it, but to a certain extent, like you go, you go so numb by the time you get to an arena that it's like, let's get this over with. Like, I just need to do it one more time. And then it's after you're like back home rewatching it on TV and you're like, holy crap. Like yeah. I just did that. <laughs> so what does it feel like when you win? Um, a gold medal at the Olympics. Like you can't get bigger than that. It's the most overwhelming and underwhelming thing I think you could ever experience in your okay, life. Okay, break that down. It's overwhelming because it's everything you've ever worked for. I mean, it's the happiest, the most proud the most sad you've ever felt because like you've reached that epitome of your sport and you're kind of like, what do I do now? 
Um, like you've, you've, you've reached the top. Yeah. So I remember like literally being on the stand thinking like I was sad because I was like, what do I do with my life now? <laughs> were you planning on coming back? No. Okay. So once you, cause you won. So yeah. you're like, I'm done. Yeah. But then like, what do you do now? I was 16 years old. I was like, yeah, I, I don't know what to do. You get on Wheaties boxes and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And you start doing brand things, but like yeah. as far as gymnastics, I, I didn't know. So it's this, it's an interesting feeling. But underwhelming, kind of in the sense of like people paint that top podium as the greatest feeling you'll ever feel in your entire life. And to a certain extent it is, but you also stand on the podium just like you stood on any other podium. May it be like first, second, or third. You get a medal, which is looks a little bit different than others. It's a different arena, but it's just the same thing. And you're like, is this it? And then you have to wake up the next morning and do something else. Fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all. And for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than what to do when faced with an Alzheimer's diagnosis. My name is Dana Torito, and my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, takes a closer look at Alzheimer's disease and those affected by it. Like many of you, I've experienced the disease firsthand. I've been an advocate and care partner for decades and have written extensively about the subject. Each week, I'll talk to people who've been personally affected by the disease and learn how they coped with it. Folks like TV personality Lisa Gibbons. Action is the antidote for fear. And nurse and dementia researcher Dr. Fayron Epps. We no longer can be silent. We have to speak up. We have to share our experiences so we can help each other and learn from each other. Listen to The Memory Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hi there. I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. All that sitting and swiping, our backs hurt, our eyeballs sting. That's our bodies adapting to our technology. But we can do something about it. We saw amazing effects. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. There's no turning back for me. Make 2024 the year you put your health before your inbox. And take the Body Electric Challenge. Listen to Body Electric from NPR on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. So what did you do? How did you, did you have like a, a post uh, PTSD? Like, oh, absolutely. How do you maneuver this incredible, like biggest moment of your life? You've worked years to get here you got it you actually got it 
<laughs> you know, yeah. first try. Yeah. And now, how do you deal with that letdown? Like, what did you no do? Idea. Um, I have always said that, like the the morning after, I remember waking up and feeling like I had ran like straight full speed into a brick wall because everything in my life was determined by gymnastics. What I ate, how I slept, who I talked to, who you know, who I hung out with, my school hours, everything. And again, I'm only 16. Um, and for me, it was like, I didn't even know how to operate. I didn't know how to go down to breakfast and order because it was like, do I order egg whites with spinach? No, I don't need to because I'm not training for the Olympics. Like, can I get, it was just the most confusing feeling of, I didn't know how to be a human being. Yeah. And you've been so regimented. Yeah. And I think add into that the kid aspect of, I couldn't see a bigger picture. I could only see like what was happening right now. And I didn't have a goal in life. I didn't, I didn't have anything. So I was like, I felt lost. <laughs> so how did you start navigating that, those lost waters? Um, my parents helped. I had an agent at the time who kind of like put me through the gamut of sponsorships and shows. And I kind of did that until I found, I found Dancing with the Stars, which... What, how old were you when you went on Dancing with the Stars? At 17. So right after. Right after, yeah. Was it nice to be in a structured situation again? It was amazing. Because you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, great, I'm familiar, I'm yes. competing. It's structure, yeah. it's intense working out. They tell you what time to show up, what time to leave. I mean, it was amazing. So you're feeling great now. You oh. found a new place yes. to put all of your energy into. Yes. And okay. so I rode that roller And you coaster. won that. I did. I mean, yeah. you're just a winner. No. <laughs> yes, you are. You win very hard things. Uh, you could win Dancing with the Stars. Oh. You could. You haven't seen me dance. You haven't seen me dance? Yes, I have. I've, you've seen someone push me around the floor and tell me what poses to like hit. But get me on dance floor. I can't. I start sweating. Yeah, but you have that ability to mentally crush. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So we're, okay, so you're so relieved you found Dancing with the Stars. What yes. did that feel like? Did you feel like you'd come home again or something? Absolutely. It was a new sport for me. It was a new Olympics. It was a new goal. I knew how to train. I knew like everything. And so I kind of went through that, ended up finishing that, and kind of rode the PTSD again. So now you're like, oh, great. I feel awesome again, but now it's the yes. same letdown. Yes. So you're having this pattern of like yes. now you're having huge accomplishments, huge wins, and then giant letdowns and like what's next yep how, so how do you navigate now the next the next what's next so i did i kind of lived in that what's next lost life for probably another year um this is a lot summarized but i went skiing on my 18th birthday tore everything in my leg oh you had an accident yeah it wasn't a bad accident i like it was like a bunny hill accident it's embarrassing so um, you never hurt yourself in gymnastics never or dancing the stars no a skiing accident yeah I'm telling you, I think skiing is so dangerous. It really is. I don't know why anyone does it. No. I always think that. But we I'm, go back every year and like... Do you still ski? Barely. Yeah. Like I cry the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> it's just traumatizing. Yes. Um, but I tore everything in my leg, did a reconstructed knee surgery, and then felt even more lost in life just because I didn't have anything. I didn't even have my body. Because now your physical body is yeah. not able to... Was it able to do what it could do before? Not once at it healed? Um, well... So I ended up going back to gymnastics to heal my, my leg and like heal my body and went back to gymnastics, kind of found my identity again. Cause I was like, Oh, I have my structure. I have my coach. I have everything. Um, tried to make the 2012 Olympics and ended up a week before Olympic trials retiring just because 
I was doing it all for the wrong reasons. I came back trying to look for an identity that wasn't there anymore. How did you realize that? That's profound. Um, <laughs> thanks. Um, I don't know. I, I had I had been back in the sport for two and a half years. I made it back to world championships. I had been pretty successful, but I just felt empty. I remember doing gymnastics for the 2008 Olympics and feeling like I was on cloud nine. It was something I truly loved. But for two and a half years, I was doing gymnastics because it's the only thing I knew. It's not because I loved it anymore. Mm. And so I got to a week before Olympic trials. I had set myself up to be a pretty good contender for the team. And I remember thinking to myself, if I make the team or just like realizing I was more concerned about making the team and hoping that I didn't then hoping that you didn't make the team. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so you wanted to make the team, but you didn't want to make the team. No, I was, I was more concerned that I was going to make the team and you did not I want was to concerned. I was, I so, did not want to. So you're in this process of like getting back involved with being on the Olympics, yeah. but like you don't want your gut is saying, I don't want to be on this team. Yeah. No. How, how did, so you're able to hear your gut. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, what did you finally reached a breaking point and you're like I reached a breaking point where I had I had I was miserable I was probably the unhealthiest I've ever been I, I was pretty much in like a depression um and I remember my parents just saying like <laughs> thanks <laughs> I remember my parents um kind of watching me struggle and saying pretty much like as any parents would like you have a week left you literally have a week and then you're gonna make it to the Olympics and you're gonna set yourself up for life like you've got this. Just like, it's it. just, it's just a mental break. Yeah. Like I had gone through mental breaks before my career. They kind of helped me through it, but this one was different. I just like, couldn't, I couldn't kick it. And so I got to the week before Olympic trials and all my heart was telling me was like, I'm done. Wow. <laughs> I don't want to be a part of this. I just, I couldn't do it anymore. And when you're in a sport that's so mentally taxing where you have to literally think through something every second of every routine, I was finding myself like on the beam being distracted by this thought of like, I'm just miserable. I don't want to wow. do this. And so I ended up retiring and feeling the greatest I ever had. Really? A oh, week yeah. before you probably would have made the team, you retired. Yeah. And I was ecstatic about it. You were. Oh, yes. But you, now you still don't know what you're going to do next. I got a call from Dancing with the Stars. Oh, it was that a- a- yeah. after? So Again? Dan- Dancing with the Stars was going to start while the Olympics were running. The all-star season. Oh, so back again. Yeah. So I went through it. I went through it. Uh, yeah. So you have had a love relationship with gymnastics, dancing with the stars, gymnastics, dancing <laughs> yeah. with the stars. It's a revolving door. So did you go back on dancing with I the did. stars? I did. Did you win? I came in second. <gasps> I didn't win. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So how did that feel? Not to win. It kind of sucked. <laughs> yeah. But it was fine. I had a blast. Um, and then it was after dancing with the stars where I finally was like, I was 20 at the time and able to see a little bit of a bigger picture and just kind of saw myself going through this whole like process again. And I told myself I wasn't allowed to go back to gymnastics. Okay. I wasn't allowed to ski and I had to like find myself outside of both of those. So you had now lived through enough highs, enough lows Mm -hmm. and realized that now you have to get something outside of a organization like outside mm-hmm. of like gymnastics outside of dancing stars you can't just like plug into something yeah you are gonna plug into yourself yeah that 20 years old that is mm-hmm. pretty wise to be able to <sighs> grasp that yes 
I would say yes and no only because at 12 we were started like we were starting to be taught to be adults I mean we had to operate on such a grand stage that we had to present ourselves like adults and yes you're still a child you don't understand the magnitude of anything but by the time I was 20 I had experienced so much in the company of so many adults like other Olympians and other sports that I'd kind of seen people's struggles and talked to them and I was only 20 but I had talked to Michael Phelps and heard his story and his roller coasters and just learned learned a lot about the passion of your sport and what's necessary and was able to kind of see that I needed to step away wow so okay 20 years old you find out how did you find yourself then um still working on that um you're doing a great job thanks um because how old are you now 27 okay so for yeah. the past seven years, what yeah. has been going down in the Sean Johnson self-discovery? Um, the first thing I did after Dancing with the Stars was I started college, which I had deferred for a while. Um, but I had become certified as a trainer, so I knew how to like work out without a coach. I got certified as a nutritionist, so I knew how to eat as a normal human being and not a gymnast. I kind of like all these things that I was relying on other people to tell me. I would go and kind of educate myself on and be like, okay, I can, I can handle this. I can go into a gym and not flip, but like lift weights and just be normal. Um, kept working, kept doing motivational speaking. And then I would say, honestly, the best like self-discovery was meeting my husband. He was just able to like cut through all the crap. And he's like, I don't care about the gymnast. I don't care about anything. Like, who are you? And what did, what did meeting him <clears throat> do for your soul? made me just feel comfortable in who I was. I feel like for so long, especially coming from gymnastics, gymnastics can be really, I feel like dangerous as a sport because it's a sport that literally teaches perfection. Yeah. When a score is literally a perfect 10 and that's all you strive for, it can And it's be, subjective to people's opinions. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like you can actually be deducted on how you look. Wow. It's, yeah, it's a brutal sport that way. and. I felt like I was living my life trying to attain perfection. And my husband was just like the first person who was like, I don't want perfect. Like that's the the last thing I want. I want you to just be you. And I think he was the first person that ever like allowed me to relax. So did you even know how to be you? No. How did he, (laughs) so did he kind of help teach you how to be you? Kind of, yeah. So how did you learn how to be you? And who is you now after all this? Who would you say? Oh, my gosh. Hmm. Who has, after everything that you have gone through, like, who would you, how would you define yourself now? I have no idea. (laughs) I have no idea. I don't know. I feel like with my husband, it would just be like these little glimpses of a personality that he would see. He always, he always described it as like, I had a game face and then I had me. And he said, if anyone came around and recognized me from the Olympics, I would become this almost like cold figure of, I had to be perfect. I had to say the right thing. I had to look the right way. I had to, you know, I couldn't be seen in public unless I had makeup. And it was just this perfection. And with him, he just got really tired of it. He's like, I I don't like that. Why did you act like that in front of that person? I'm like, well, that's what they expect. He's like, no, they could care less. And he would just like challenge me all the time to, to not put on a facade that was politically correct. And 
As for who am I, I have no idea. Was that hard <laughs> to, to not put on a facade? How do you break that? Because I, I kind of get that on a very mm-hmm. different level of being like in a band forever and being mm-hmm. on. Oh, yeah. Like, you know how to just like turn it on. Oh, yeah. Give people what they <laughs> yeah. want. And especially you said you're a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. Me too. Being a people pleaser on top of it, you can kind of read someone's energy and see what they oh, want. yeah. And like <laughs> how they want you to be. So it's exhausting. Yeah. It's exhausting. And I think I, I still struggle with it. Me but, too. I mean, I think it's probably something. Oh yeah, that'll always be something to work on. Absolutely. But I think the way that I started to work on it was no matter what event I would go to or where you know I had to be, where I I would usually be on, I would take my husband with me, and it was always this like comfort of I'm okay to act like me in front of him, and, and I he wants like, you to act like yeah. You. And I can look at him for reassurance, like, you're good. Just be you. And I'd start to, like, turn on again. And he'd be like, you're fine. Just be comfortable. You don't have to do anything. Like, I don't know. It was just, he's just been my, like, token. I don't know. How amazing is that? (laughs) He's awesome. Yeah. So what have you learned, like, the highs and the lows of being an Olympic gold medalist and spending all this time? Like, what would you say are the greatest assets that you <laughs> learned from this intense journey of perfectionist mm-hmm. to what have you learned that you maybe wasn't, maybe it was a low, but it's still mm-hmm. a lesson? Um, wow. Uh, I think one of the greatest things, it's the most cliche and cheesy thing you could ever, like, you learn as a kid. But truly hard work pays off and you cannot succeed by being perfect. I mean, it just will never happen. One of my favorite things about gymnastics, even now I get to work with like a lot of young kids is it's the most humbling sport you'll ever be in. You literally have to fall on your face before you can like succeed. Like literally. Yeah. Or split a beam or break a bone. I mean, which sounds terrible, but it just teaches kids that like you have to fall in order to, attain success which I think was the greatest lesson for me to learn as a kid um but even through like the hardest times I would say something that I learned like during my comeback when I tried to make the 2012 team was a lot of times we get pressured just by society and other people to do what other people want Mm -hmm. people pleasers Mm -hmm. um I had so many people who said you know this makes sense for you just finish out the week make the team do all this and you can so easily fall victim to doing something that you don't love and that's miserable. And I think it took a lot of very hard lessons multiple times, multiple Olympics, multiple dancing of the stars, um, to kind of learn that about myself and learn that it's okay to say no to people and truly just like follow your own heart. Cause I don't think you're benefiting anyone unless you do that. But it's hard so, to walk away from such big things. Like these things is. that you're walking away from, it's not like, oh, I'm just gonna walk away from like a job mm-hmm. interview opportunity or like, I don't know, <laughs> something even that feels big. Like, yeah, I, I, I can't even imagine. You're walking away from the Olympics. <laughs> I mean, that's huge. It is, but is it all relative? It's all relative because it's, it's that like, again, cliche, moral, like moralistic story of, if you make, if you win the lottery, do you, are you really going to feel like feel fulfilled as a human being? And you probably won't. No, there's no money. There's no title that will make you feel fulfilled because you're always going to want more. And it's always going to feel like, oh, what's next? And I got to stand on Olympic gold medal podium 
And yes, it was the greatest feeling ever, but I still didn't feel like, oh, I'm fine with my life being done and I can just go sit on the couch for the rest of my life and be happy. So being able to turn down these big experiences, it was all because I knew at the end of the day, if you're not enjoying what you're doing, like it's not going to matter. Did you have fear that you're making a mistake by turning down these oh, big yeah. experiences? All the time. How do you deal with that? Because it's like, what if, you know, like, what if this was the right choice? Mm-hmm. Do you just have to be so in tune with your gut? I think so. I mean, for me, I was sitting like on my gut feeling for so long that I knew my gut didn't want to do it. And I knew the world was saying like, you should. And so I sat on it for probably a year. And finally, I was just like, I can't deny this anymore. And so when I finally retired and said I was done, I don't know, it just felt right. It felt easier day to day. What do you think the gut feeling is? Like, what What do you, how would you define that? What does that gut mean feeling? to you? Yeah, like, because it's, uh, it's your inner voice. It is. How do you define that? And how do you know that you're supposed to trust it? Because as humans, I feel like yeah. we want to ignore it mm-hmm. a lot. I would say, oh, that's hard. I don't know. I have like a lot of gymnasts that will come talk to me and say like, how did you know when it was the right time to quit? And I just always tell people, like, if you can ask yourself day after day, like, what is the intention behind it? Did you have a bad day? Did you meet a bad person? Did you have a bad experience that's causing you to impulsively be like, oh, I don't want to deal with this anymore? Or is it a true, like, systematic thing that you want to change? And if you can sit on your gut long enough and keep asking those questions and every time come to the same conclusion, I feel like your gut's probably right. So what does it feel like to you? Like when your gut was saying, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Like what was the difference in that feeling as opposed to when you went to the 2012 mm-hmm. Olympics where you're like, I'm excited to be here. This is awesome. Like what yeah. does the difference feel like? Because I feel like that's something, it's so abstract, mm-hmm. you know? So how do you put Absolutely. that in words? Um, I would say at the 2008 Olympics. Or 2008, sorry. It's okay. It <laughs> I, don't, for, I forget sometimes. I'm like 2000, 2004. Um, at 2008... I had gone through injury. I had gone through failure. I had had meets where I fell flat on my face. I had I had a lot of hardships, but they didn't feel like hardships to me. They felt like just challenges that I had to somehow figure out and get through. I would, you know, get a cast on my leg and I'd be like, okay, this sucks. I would cry through it, but it would be, my mind would instantly go to how do we get around this? Like, how can we fix this? What's the process to come back? Whereas in 2012, I almost had to force that. And it became, it became more taxing trying to get the motivation to even show up to practice than it was getting the motivation to, you know, work through a challenge. Challenges to me, like roadblocks. I had a sprained ankle in 2012 and it was life, like, career-ending to me. And I almost felt relieved by it. I don't know. You can just, like, you have to be able to take a step back and really look at your feelings and understand a bigger picture. Fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all. 
And for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than what to do when faced with an Alzheimer's diagnosis. My name is Dana Torito, and my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, takes a closer look at Alzheimer's disease and those affected by it. Like many of you, I've experienced the disease firsthand. I've been an advocate and care partner for decades and have written extensively about the subject. Each week, I'll talk to people who've been personally affected by the disease and learn how they coped with it. Folks like TV personality Lisa Gibbons. Action is the antidote for fear. And nurse and dementia researcher Dr. Fayron Epps. We no longer can be silent. We have to speak up. We have to share our experiences so we can help each other and learn from each other. Listen to The Memory Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hi there. I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT AT&T who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What do you do with feeling like you're letting people down? Oh, gosh. How do you deal with that? Because you probably felt like you were letting people down walking away a week before they announced mm-hmm. he's going to be on the team. How the, do you, especially yeah. as a people pleaser, how do you do that? I probably, I stayed in gymnastics probably a year longer than I should have because I was terrified of letting people down. I had my dad who was like my number one cheerleader my whole entire career just saying like, you know, don't quit and just those like stereotypical dad things that dads say and he was so proud and he loved so much to watch me compete and I had my mom and I had my sponsors and I had my agent I had contracts for like Nike and Coca-Cola and all these people it's a lot a lot um and the fear of letting them down um is consuming like that will keep 99.9% of the population from ever doing it. But it got to be to a point where I felt like my well-being was at jeopardy trying to please them. Just like my mental health, my physical health, everything. I couldn't operate in a way that would have made them proud and done them justice. Mm -hmm. So even if I went to the Olympics... I wouldn't have represented any of them in the way that they truly knew me. And so I felt like I would, I would be letting them down on both sides. So I might as well choose the one that makes me happy. And how did they all handle it? Hmm. Um, some great, some not so great. My parents were fine. were like very supportive. 
they were a little bit in shock just because it's like, what? You're a week from the Olympics. <laughs> um, like, are you sure about this? Are you, are you sane? <laughs> or like, yeah. what's going on? Um, but I think my parents could see such an instant flip of, I went from being like this miserable kid to the kid that they knew. Mm-hmm. And they could see that it was the right decision. My agent didn't love it. Right. Rightfully. I mean, that speaks for itself. Yeah. Um, the, the brands probably the didn't brands love it. didn't love it. But, and still to this day, there's probably a couple brands that I have very, that are still resentful of me. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, business is business and bad things happen in business and things change. it's not personal. So I think for the most part, everyone got over it. And then it happened to be one of the greatest teams in the history of gymnastics. So. Did you have FOMO that you weren't on it? No, I you loved didn't. it. Like you didn't feel like, no. So that's how you especially know that oh, you've yeah. done the right thing. Cause you're not like, shoot, I could have been there. No, you I, was, I was sitting in the audience there. I actually went to the 2012 games and watched every competition from the first row. And you had no, no. feeling of sadness that you weren't there i had the feeling like any person would musician performer of any kind like oh i want to be out on the the competition floor but i didn't look at it and say oh she has my spot it was just kind of like i'm so proud of you guys touche i'm good right here (laughs) that's incredible yeah dang sean yeah what a journey yeah a little bit so how has life been now how did you get to nashville my husband so I was the creepy girl that followed him. Did y'all meet online? No. So because... I followed him, I immediately think like Instagram. Oh, probably. Oh. No. Um, <laughs> followed him here. Yeah. So because I didn't compete in the 2012 games. Okay. And I was a spectator. I got to go to other events. I went to the USA Cycling event, which is like Lance Armstrong track cycling. And I met this USA athlete. His name was Guy East. We had a very long conversation and he just kept telling me I have to, I'm perfect for his younger brother. And he, when we flew back to the United States, he set us up on a blind date. That was it? Yeah, pretty much. So Guy knew. Evidently. Yeah. No way. Yeah. So Guy's an athlete as well? He's an Olympic cyclist. Yes. Dang. I know. Y'all are just a bunch of athletes around here. We, we've laughed, though. Like, our baby's probably going to be a musician. <laughs> which, like, we are not musically inclined at all. <laughs> They're going to be the most unathletic, most artistic, creative, you know, kid, that kid out there. But, so what brought Andrew to Nashville? Vanderbilt. Okay. Yeah. And I was, looking, I, was, I was looking at going to Stanford. I was getting ready to start. But... I had deferred Stanford four years and hadn't pulled the trigger yet. So you weren't really worried about starting. Exactly. And he went to Vanderbilt and he's like, I'll give you a tour of Vanderbilt. And I was like, okay. Um, So did you go to Vanderbilt? I was supposed to start. And it was like the first month of when I was supposed to start at Vandy. I got booked on another TV show. What show? Celebrity Apprentice. Oh, how was that? It was not my favorite show. So you know our president. I do know our president. Are y'all buds? Do y'all keep up? <laughs> We're n- um, politically, like all politics aside, he was very nice on the show. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, you're fired. How far did you make it on that one? Not far. You didn't? Oh, I got fired real soon. Oh. But I couldn't. I couldn't do like the conniving stuff. No. So I, I bowed out real quick. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's fun. Yeah. 
But Vandy wouldn't work with that schedule, so I ended yeah. up transferring to. I went to school on Penn, like Penn State online. It okay. was just like an online program. Okay. So did you finish college? Yeah. Oh, way to go! Well, kind of. No. <laughs> no. No, I have Ish. one more year. Ish. I mean, you don't need college. No. My husband didn't go to college. Yeah. I honestly, I hope our child doesn't go to college. I know that's weird. No, it's not. <laughs> I, I, okay. Not to diss colleges out there. Yeah, because college is great. It was, I've never been more mad at life than doing online college. Oh. I was like, you are eating my money for no reason. And this is a bunch of crap. Yeah. Like, just for a piece of paper? Yes. I got so annoyed with it. I know. I mean, I feel like, yes, if you want to be a doctor or if you yes. want to be a lawyer Absolutely. or something like that, that you need the structured school system yes. for, go for it. But no, not everyone needs to no. go to college. No. Especially if you know your passion. Yeah. Or especially like if you like you, like you've had all these things happen to you that yeah. you're not really needing college for a career. <laughs> yes. You know, I was again, though, people pleaser. I was the kid in school that had an absolute meltdown if I didn't get straight A's mm. and I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a surgeon. I wanted to go to Stanford and then gymnastics kind of threw a wrench in that. Um, so then studied psychology and threw a lot of money away for online tests that I could Google the answers of. I was right. just, oh, I was so mad. Oh my gosh. I was so mad. So what has life been like for you in Nashville? Awesome. What I do you love, love Nashville. Um, so I came from Des Moines, Iowa, okay. where it's just like everyone knows everyone and any type of name, it makes it really difficult, mm -hmm. which is a beautiful thing. Like I love Iowa, not to diss Iowa at all. Right. Um, but Nashville just became this place where I could be my own person. There's so many people who've had success yeah. and like amazing things happen to them and everyone like respects and loves it, but no one yeah. cares. No one cares, which yeah. I love. Yes. I loved how I could go grocery shopping for the first time and someone wouldn't stop me and say, oh, you know, how's your mom doing? And how's, yeah. you know, Westridge Elementary and just like <laughs> all this stuff. It was, it was great to blend in for a while. And it's such a good community. It's such a good community. It's such a, it's a very small community, which it I love. Is. But again, it's like nobody cares. No. Which is cool. So have you found, what have you found out about yourself now? Because we kind of were t talking about this earlier. I was trying mm -hmm. to get you to really define who you are now, which is a hard <laughs> I, question. Because who can do that? Yeah. But like after Olympics and gymnastics, after Dancing with the Stars, mm -hmm. after falling in love with mm -hmm. Andrew and him helping to bring out this other side of mm -hmm. you, realizing that you don't have to be on all the time, mm -hmm. like what how has how how um how do you view life now because like you said you were a perfectionist for so long and are you able to drop that are you able to <laughs> see life yeah. through like what is the lens that you're looking at life through now um you ask hard questions <laughs> um i would say for me like I will always be challenged with my past self, the people pleasing perfectionist mentality. It's just, it was ingrained in me for so long. Um, but with the help of my husband to just kind of like keep me on track, I feel like I view life as just, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm very like anti what the world has to say. And I hope that sounds okay. But I feel like social media, just kind of the world we live in, everyone's trying to tell you who you are and because I went through so many 
roller coasters of trying to please people and never succeeding. I'm constantly trying to just do my own thing and show the world that that's okay. Even though like inside I'm kind of having meltdowns all the time. I'm like, what do they actually think? I'm reading on my Instagram comments. I'm like, oh my gosh. Did you read through all of them? I, okay, this is really bad. We have a lot of really young kids because of gymnastics who follow us. So I read every single comment to delete anything that I don't want a kid to read. That's sweet. It's sweet, but it's such torture. It is torture. <laughs> I hate it. Probably for the most part, though, people are nice. For the most part. But then you have those people who like... And it's easy to hang on to the bad ones. Oh, I only hang on to the bad ones, obviously. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> people can compliment you a million times and one person say something mean, and that's the only thing you'll remember. I know. What? But, <sighs> I know. Yeah. But I, again, I'm constantly trying to like set an example for kids of... Like, don't listen to the world. <laughs> what are your views on social media? Um, I hate it and love it. I hate majority of what it stands for because it's it allows people to sit behind a screen and have no interaction with people and no consequence to their actions. But I also love it because it is truly a community that has helped us in so many ways. It was truly the only thing that got me through the miscarriage. I mean... really. Being able to read people's stories. I'm, I'm not the kind of person that asks for help and tells people what I'm going through, which is weird that my life is on social media. Um, but being able to read people's stories and hear how they got through it and have that community really helped me, which I saw for the first time the good side of social media. But I don't know. I don't know what I think of it, really. I'm right in the middle. What do you think about being a mom? Like, what are your... Um, oh what are your fears and what are, what are you most excited about and what are you most scared about? I'm scared about everything. Literally everything. We I went do. to a baby class last night and they're like, what do you want to learn? I was like, everything. <laughs> I don't know anything. Um, literally scared about everything. How do you teach your kid to be a good person, a nice person? How do you teach them not to listen to the world and not to conform to all these dumb societal pressures and expectations we have and if we don't know what we're having so like if it's a girl what is she gonna have to deal with and if it's a boy what is he gonna have to deal with and I don't know what are you most excited about right now holding our baby for the first time oh my god like I can't even imagine like actually holding the baby I know and it's getting close yeah it's I feel that same way it's like it could be today for I you know. I was hoping it was gonna be yesterday I had told her that we were gonna come on the 22nd <laughs> and she just not she didn't do it so she's obviously we're not all listening like to me. the wives tales like squats squats okay I asked a castor lot of people oil. castor oil yeah. apparently makes you poo it makes you your baby come <laughs> which I I'm would do it fine with that I would do it Prim, evening primrose oil taking oh yeah taking that uh, red do you have some yes okay yes. I was gonna say I have a whole bottle if you want oh it. great I'm not <laughs> taking it right now you're just ready <laughs> yeah, I'm ready yes <laughs> um raspberry leaf tea yes um, you need to go see an, uh, an acupuncture Gil. yes Gil we have this great acupuncture yeah Gil. I need to go to him maybe he can help acupuncture yeah foot massages because apparently massages. there's pressure points on oh, your yeah. feet that make yeah. you go into labor okay. um sex yeah everyone says that yeah bouncing on a ball yeah i've heard from some people if you drink a glass of wine like it'll make you go into labor okay. and i haven't really been drinking this whole pregnancy yeah. i started drinking a little bit like a yeah. sips here at the end yeah 
I don't know. I'm not endorsing that one. Everyone who uh, is, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yes, whatever. It's fine. Don't drink wine when you're pregnant. But <laughs> oh, I made the mistake of on a vlog one time showing that I had like a couple sips and oh, oh gosh, this. oh yeah, yeah, yes. Not um, endorsing it. No, not endorsing it. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. I have heard from multiple people. It's totally fine if you have yes. a little bit of wine. Yeah, but My doctor would even say. But everyone, you do you. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't know. Those are kind of the top ones that I've heard. Have you heard anything else? No. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to keep baby in right now. Yeah, you want to keep yeah. baby in. Yeah, baby's got to cook. Yeah, baby's still cooking. Yeah. You just need to have a day of like where you do all of it. I know. I'm going to talk to my um, gynecologist about the castor oil. Yeah. I'm kind of nervous about that <laughs> yeah. one, but if she gives it the go-ahead. I think You've I'm had friends that have done it. I've had friends that have done it and had great success with it. So It I just mean, like lubes everything up. Lubes everything up. Cleans everything out, gets the contractions going. I, I mean, I mean, you know, I don't know. <laughs> we shall see. Yeah. Okay. So I wrap all my interviews with okay. "Leave Your Light." Okay. So you obviously are such an inspiring person. <laughs> Thank you. And so many people look up to you in the world. Thank you. And you're so real and honest, which is amazing that you share your heart like you do. Because <laughs> I think that's one of the greatest gifts you can give to the world is having a platform like you have and being real and sharing your soul because thank you it just lets us all know that we're all in this together and we put people on pedestals oh yeah and when you realize that someone that you put on a pedestal is actually a real human mm-hmm. it makes you feel better about your own experience and not alone mm-hmm. so way to go on being thank that you. kind of amazing person <laughs> thank you what do you want to tell people just like what you have learned like some advice some knowledge that you have something that maybe you wish your 12 year old self would have <laughs> known that you've just gathered over the years something to inspire people who look up to you or who are trying to find their way um my gosh um i can't kind of what i've been talking about i feel like i'm still trying to convince myself of this like we talk the people pleasing but again every single person in the world has an opinion and everyone thinks what you're doing is right or wrong and the sooner you can learn none of them are correct, the easier your life is going to be. And it's the hard, I think the hardest for both of us because we're people pleasers, mm-hmm. the hardest thing to learn. But when you can just like stop trying to please the world, I feel like success comes, I feel like happiness comes and joy and life just gets easier. So I love that. <laughs> And that is such a hard lesson. Oh, yeah. But so true. Yeah. Go you, (laughs) Sean. Thank you. You're going to be the best mom. Oh, gosh. So are you. Oh, you're going to be great. What do you think you're having? I think a boy. You do? Yeah. (laughs) I know. Uh, But I could be wrong. I mean, hey, you never know. We shall see. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. You're amazing. Thank you. You too. Okay, bye. is the greatest fear of all and for millions of americans there is no greater unknown than alzheimer's disease i'm dana torito a writer and alzheimer's advocate on my podcast the memory whisperer i strive to calm your fears about the disease through thoughtful conversations with experts care partners and more action is the antidote for fear listen to the memory whisperer on the iHeartRadio app apple podcast or wherever you get your podcast The Black Information Network and six-time Emmy-nominated news anchor Vanessa Tyler welcome you 
to Blackland, a podcast about the ground on which the black community stands right now. From stories about salvation and loss. I loved a person who had an HIV diagnosis. To dreams achieved. Or yet unfulfilled. From people who have made it. I sat down with a therapist and I began my journey. To those left behind. Listen to Blackland on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now, this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.